We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What's going on, folks? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by Indeed and Bet Online. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for the Blue Wire Network. And joining me tonight is my co host, former NFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. What's going on, brother? Oh, man. You know, just, uh, uh, you know, glad that game is over, but, you know. <laughs> Excited at the same time, right? I, I, I tweet after the game, good job, 49ers. You are one game closer to being able – being in position to grab Zach Wilson. Like <laughs> so you – like, you don't, you don't even bother saying being in a position to grab a quarterback. You just say Zach Wilson. So Zach Wilson is officially like – is that where you're planting your flag? I, I think so. Now, again, there are – 
there are talented quarterbacks. I think there's five ways the 49ers can go with this. And I doubt five guys go in like the top 10 or anything like that. So, um, there's, you know, there's the big dogs, right? There's Lawrence and Justin Fields. I think they're kind of in the class of their own a little, little bit. And then after that, it's kind of just what you kind of want. And you have a few different ways you can go with it. You can go with Wilson, who's a little more like uh, Patrick Mahomes type, kind of, I don't want to say wings it, but kind of excels he slings off script. It. He, he, he throws, he just, he just does his thing. Yeah, he does his thing. And then you have uh, Lance, who um, played in the under center, um, kind of like Cam Newton. They, they use him like that. They run a lot of quarterback powers, read options, but he throws a beautiful ball, has a strong arm, throws the ball downfield very well. So you have that type of quarterback. Um, I think he's a more cons- a better passing version of Cam, but just not with the same. He he doesn't have Cam's same super athletic ability or arm strength, but kind of that type of quarterback. Um, and then you have Kyle Trask and is it Kyle? Yeah, Kyle Trask and and uh, Mac Jones, who both are really good quarterbacks, but they're just not as mobile as you'd ideally like in today's day and age. Now, they can move a little bit, and I, and I undersold uh, Trask's ability to kind of run. I was watching some film the other day. They actually ran an option with him. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, those guys. So, there, there, there are good quarterbacks that the 49ers will be in position to grab. Um, I just like Wilson the most. I think he just puts a lot of pressure on the defense. But I tweeted it out, and I was like, 49ers, like, good job, one game closer, you know. And like I had somebody text me, I mean, uh respond and was like, You're a you're a hater. Like, if you don't want to see the 49ers win, then just pick a different team to to report. Or it was something like that. And I'm just like, it was like nobody wants to watch the 49ers win more than me. Like I, I'm the most competitive person on the planet. But like, let's just be realistic with where, where we're at. Let's be realistic with where the 49ers are at. And right now, like if you, you know, lost your whole team due to injury and you're in a position to be able to, you know, hypothetically speaking, upgrade at a position. The like, position. Yeah, the position is I do. Like, it is what it is. Like, 49ers suck right now. Like, I mean, you know, and everybody knows why. Even the Saints knew why. They said it like, man, if you just look on paper, you see they're just ravaged with injuries. And you can't approach the game like that, but you know that's what their situation is. And 49 just can't overcome that right now, so. It is what it is. Like, it's, it's not a good football team. Um, Mullins doesn't do anything that uh, gets you excited. Uh, CJ Beathard came in, and I was like, did Mullins get hurt or something? And then I was like, what if they're trying to just throw the ball downfield because it is third and 21? I wonder that's, if that's what, what I they, they were trying to do. Yeah, I, was like, I wonder if that's what they're trying to do because I, I didn't see Mullins get hurt. And then sure enough, they threw it downfield, and – I mean, Richie James ran by them by five yards, but that's that's what happens when you have quarterbacks that don't have a, an arm like that. You know, he, even Beathard right. couldn't get it out there. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it is what it is. Defense played really hard. You know, if you had somebody better at quarterback, even if it was Jimmy Garoppolo, I think it's a much better game. So, well, yeah, because I mean, and and obviously, talking when in regards to how I talk about Nick Mullins, it's not that. Jimmy Garoppolo is capable of making all the same bad throws as Nick Mullins. We've seen that. They just don't happen as frequently, I would I would probably venture to say. 
And, you know, a healthy Jimmy Garoppolo gives you a chance to win every single game. And and we, we've seen plenty of that in the past. It, you know, he, there's also the bad Jimmy that we've seen a lot of as well. But it's definitely, so, especially when in that exact same matchup last year, now no two games are the same, but, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo was a huge reason the 49ers won the last time they faced the Saints. Got into a little bit of a a shootout, and Jimmy Garoppolo was able to go toe-to-toe with, uh, with Drew Brees in that respect. But in this game, it, Nick Mullins was such a huge factor as to why they didn't win. It, there were definitely a ton of other mistakes, and we'll get into those throughout the podcast. But Nick Mullins just like me. I mean, he to me, he was lucky to have only thrown two interceptions. Right. Because he, he, threw, he threw a few that were like, you know, like bouncing off the hands of, of defensive max or, you know, and, and I think twice he made his receiver essentially play defensive back. You know, there's that one to Kyle Juszczyk where he essentially kind of broke it up from CJ Gardner Johnson. And then uh, Kendrick Bourne is that it almost looked, I didn't pay close enough attention to the replay, but it almost looked like that pass to Kendrick Bourne, like for a moment was intercepted. And Kendrick Bourne just straight up ripped it out of his hands and yeah. then and then kept the play going and, and converted the first down. And then there were obviously the two interceptions. The one he threw straight to uh I think it was Janoris Jenkins. If if I'm if, and no, then there was it was it was Jenkins, Malcolm Jenkins. Malcolm Jenkins, that's it. Because there's two Jenkins on that team, right? Yeah. There is Janoris Jenkins. He's okay, really yeah. good. Janoris Jenkins have a really good year. Ever since right. he was even traded there, like to the Saints last year, he's been really good. But sorry, go ahead. No, no, you're good. You're good. And so it's there were the two interceptions. I'm trying to remember what the other one was. There was so the the one in the end zone to Kendrick Bourne was intercepted. Right. There it is. Okay. Yeah. And that was for the most part, didn't even give Kendrick Bourne a chance. Just completely underthrew him. It was about a 20 yard throw, about 25 yards when you include like the drawback and stuff. And uh and, and the the killer with that is the 49ers, despite kind of the attitude on Twitter and kind of how much kind of a joke the game had become. When Nick Mullins threw that interception, there was about three-ish minutes left, somewhere in there, and the 49ers were down by two scores. Let's say that Nick Mullins gives Kendrick Bourne a better chance. He catches it and scores. The 49ers are down by one score with like two and a half minutes left, somewhere in there. Or even if that ball falls incomplete. Right. Or or let's say that that ball falls incomplete and and the 49ers drive down and and manage to score anyways. It just – it just immediately removed – you know what it reminded me of, and this it really doesn't have that much to do with it, is uh, Kaepernick's throw to Crabtree in the Crabtree in the NF, what was it, the NFC Championship game against the Seahawks where yep. Sherman tipped it and, uh, and it was caught by Malcolm Smith. It was one of those things where you didn't have to take that throw right then. You know, the kind of – obviously this is nowhere near the ramifications of that game and, you know, the and, and what you're playing for. But I just remember it, it when, when Kaepernick took that throw – I was like, "Wow, you're you're going for this right now! Like, <laughs> this this is it." And and obviously, we the rest is history. And this kind of felt like the same thing. Like, look, you you actually have a shot to win this game. You don't have to necessarily force something. And he just chucked it up there, and it was picked off. And and obviously, this is not this is nothing near the team I'm just comparing it to. But it's just there's just the 49ers actually had a legitimate chance to win this game against a very, very good saints team. And they just found a way to like 
shoot themselves in the foot over and over. Like they had like a, a revolver with like six rounds and they pointed it towards their foot and they just kept pulling the trigger until all six rounds were expired. And then they took the 30 seconds it takes to reload a revolver and then pointed it back down there and then just kept shooting some more. So it was like, you know, despite all the injuries and despite the amount of people that were out of this game, the 49ers were in it against the Saints team that just destroyed the Patriots or not Patriots, excuse me. I'll always call the Bucks the Patriots with Tom Brady there. Um, just destroyed them last week, and the 49ers came out and have the, had a shot and just managed to, uh, to ruin that. In addition to uh, a poor performance from Nick Mullins, you also had uh, two muff punts from Richie James and Trent Taylor. Both of those put the Saints in scoring position, and I think that they scored touchdowns on both of them, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think both of them were to Alvin Kamara, which my fantasy team appreciated, but that didn't really go – I mean, it was exactly the opposite of what we talked about before the game. At least what, what I mentioned was just keep Alvin Kamara in your sights at all times. Yeah, they didn't do that. <laughs> no, they didn't There was a throw, too, all. you missed from um, Mullins that nearly got picked off earlier in the game. He was throwing it to Brandon Ayuk, but he never, like, looked off the safety or anything like that. He, like, eyed down Ayuk the entire time. That's right. And Jenkins jumped it. And really, it just went. He just dropped it, like it just went through his hands. So, like that was he. Remember the key, like for 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 like for me, to the 49ers being able to win this game was, like no turnovers. And I followed that up by saying that's really hard for Nick Mullins because he's been a turnover machine. And once again, turnover machine, man. Like that that was a big issue. And I'm not putting it all on him because I, I know who he is. You know what I'm saying? Like he right. is who he is. Like, but I'm just, you know, just in the context of just the game and kind of what happened, that that was a big, that was a big deal. And then, you know, other, I think uh, there are a lot of people complaining about the play calling and uh, Kyle Shanahan's inability to adjust to um, uh, Chauncey Garner Johnson uh, blitzing off the edge. But what I kind of think, and, and I don't know, maybe, maybe Kyle didn't adjust to it. But a lot of times your offensive line and your quarterback, like they set up like the blocking scheme. So if there's a guy and it's like, hey, he's coming off the edge, somebody needs to pick him up, like that has to be seen by the O-line and the quarterback. And at the very least have a hot off of that. So a lot of times quarter uh, teams like to throw into the blitz. So Garner, who, you know, say he was blitzing off the right side. Okay, he's blitzing off the right side. So there's somebody who is free for a split second, and that's the hot read. And that's typically who you want to hit right now. Whether you just get it out to him really quick, or he just kind of does like this little flare out to catch it and maybe get a few yards. But you just kind of make them pay for sending the guy off the edge and having to replace that guy. And it was like the 49ers never did. Now, that's something that typically I don't think that would be on Kyle. I think that's on, you know, the quarterback and the receivers. You know, are they on the same page with that? you know, where you just get the ball to him right now. So, I mean, that was something else that I thought was an issue. I thought maybe they could throw a screen into it or something to maybe slow him down. Um, another thing they could have did was, you know, in the run game, because he was clogging up uh, on the backside of runs, was, you know, pull, you know, the quarterback pull. But obviously, 49ers don't have that type of quarterback. But, yeah, there were a few things where I was like, man, are the 49ers going to make an adjustment? But at the end of the day, 
maybe they just don't have all the guys to be able to make those adjustments, you know? Right. Well, and that's, and that's one of the things that I, I saw mentioned on Twitter is, is somebody replying to me. Oh no, no. I was replying to Akash because he had said something about Kyle Shanahan's play calls and, and wondering if they were good or not. He wasn't like, like bad mouthing Kyle or anything, but I, I just replied to him and I said, and, and a complete, almost consistent lack of execution really keeps us from knowing how bad these play calls are because we only see what the result is, you know, and we don't always get to see necessarily what the the results should have been, you know, because there's consistently problems. Like even on that, um, when the 49ers ran it, so they, on that fourth and one, they, the, on third down, they passed it. That didn't work out. Uh, Nick Mullins couldn't complete a five-yard pass to Brandon Ayuk right in front of him. And then on the second fourth down conversion, they ran it with Jarrett McKinnon, who was immediately met in the backfield for like a loss of two yards. And I believe the center like blocked the wrong direction or something to that extent, which allowed the the defensive front to kind of just push right through that gap and blow the play up. And it's just stuff like that. Like, okay – is it really that bad of a play call or are we just seeing a total breakdown of execution? Because no one's ever going to talk about play calling if the play works. You That's know? my yes, thing. Uh, I get that I, a lot I, on Twitter and everybody questions the play call. And I'm like, well, you only question the play call when it doesn't work. Now, I, I did put the picture out there like, man, like, I don't know if I would have ran into this. Like, it was fourth and one and everybody was in the box. <laughs> and I was counting like before the play happened. Like, my wife was looking at me, and she's like, what are you doing? Like, I was, I was counting, like, how many defenders are right there? Like, is that everybody? And, you know, sure enough, it was. But so I don't know if I would have ran that, or maybe you try to do some kind of naked boot. But, um, you know, they left the receiver out there on the island. Like, and sometimes it just comes down to personnel. Like, if you have Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, are you leaving your corner one-on-one like that with no safety help? Like, no. So, you know, for just kind of have to establish themselves as somebody that – can be more of a threat in the passing game, and maybe you can have counters off of everybody on the box, right? Uh, like that. But right now, 49ers aren't. They're not there with their with their personnel. At least with the guys that are aren't healthy. You know, it's not like they have a uh, George Kittle right now out there to kind of that they can really count on to beat a guy. And, and you know, a man whether it's with his route running or you know with his uh, size. You know, that they're, they're kind of missing that. So I think that's a big thing. Like just kind of losing guys, and then. Not, not the the offensive line not playing well. So there are things that where I'm like, man, like, you know, it would be nice for Fortnite to take a shot, you know. But your offensive line has to kind of block it up long enough for your guys to be able to take shots, you know, if that's what you want to do. And it seemed like a lot of times, like there was one time where uh, Mullins was sacked and it was like got like kind of like punched in the face and he just fell down and got sacked. He did, but, dude. He did. Yeah, but it's like you know, he didn't have any time. So no, even they were trying to do something off of play action on that play, we, you know, it wasn't blocked up long enough to be able to do it. And that wasn't the O-line. I mean, that was just Jeremy McKinnon. But, you know, like you said, man, like, it's easy to say bad play calling. Somebody in my comments was like, Kyle's been calling bad play calls all year. I'm like, what? Kyle Shanahan? Like, like he's calling plays to try to help out the people that he has, like, playing. And that's tough because he's most of the time he's been dealing with a bad deck. When he finally got everybody back, even uh, a grappler that wasn't very healthy, he called a terrific game 
or two games in a row, and then all of a sudden Garoppolo, you know, goes out against the Seahawks. So I, I try not to put the whole play calling blame thing on Kyle Shanahan. I think that's kind of the easy way out instead of looking at everything that 49ers are kind of dealing with, you know, offensively right now. Right. Well, and, and remind me, I'm gonna we're gonna hit up our sponsors right now. Uh, remind me to mention the the offensive line when we come back, just in case right. I forget, because I want to mention something about that too. All right, so leading off the way, we've got Indeed. 2020 has already reshaped how we work. It's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners at Striking Gold a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offers valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions do apply. And of course, we've got Bet Online. Football's back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their seasoning opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE. It's all one word. B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. Bet Online is your online sportsbook experts. Okay. Told Crocker to remind me what I was going to say, but I remembered. Offensive line. All right. So look, I saw plenty, and, and, and I'm not saying that Jarek McKinnon is even the best running back out there. And I but I just saw a ton of comments saying like, get Jarek McKinnon out of there. You know, which is fine. I understand you want to see Jamichael Hasty. Jamichael Hasty has looked pretty good in his limited snaps. But I mean, if I, I, I'm looking forward to going back and watching this game because the 49ers offensive line, when it came to run blocking, did a horrible job. Horrible job. There was only a couple times where I feel like if any, if a faster running back would have been in there, there were only a couple times where I felt like Jarek McKinnon could have gained more yards. Let's say if he just hit a hole a little faster or had a little more burst. 
Um, Jarek McKinnon doesn't look fast, but he sure as hell doesn't look slow. And I mean, in, in the grand scheme of slow being an offensive lineman, obviously that's not the bar. But there was even there was another play a little later on the game where Jarek McKinnon caught a pass and took it like 14 yards and even scrambled one of the defender's angles while he took it, was able to kind of get around him for a few more yards. And the play was called back to a holding call, I think, on Lake and Tomlinson. And it was just like, I felt like people were just punishing Jarek McKinnon for the fact that there was routinely nothing there. Like, not only was there, like, nothing there, but a lot of the times he was just being smacked in the backfield. And and there were some of these run plays or little quick passes where, I mean, they were going for, like, two or three or four or five-yard losses because – of just how poorly everything was blocked up. Every time the 49ers tried to run a stretch outside, there was just nowhere. The the 49ers are going to deal with that as long as, you know, people aren't respecting the passing game. 100%. Right. And and that's what the issue is. So, you know, this does remind me, like earlier in the year, remember in the first few games, um, the 49ers were really struggling to run the ball. And it wasn't being it was not being blocked up very well. And, you know, uh, a lot of people were complaining about whether it was Tevin Coleman or, you know, whoever. They were like, oh, terrible. Like, look when he gets the ball, like look at the yards per carry. But it's like, man, like outside of a few big plays by Raheem Mostert, it wasn't being blocked up well for anyone. And. When you look at what's going on now, yeah, like you said, there are a couple of plays that maybe, you know, Mostert could have done a better job of maybe, you know, getting north or whatever, putting his foot in the ground or, you know, seeing something quicker. But for the most part, he was getting crushed in the backfield. So, like, his yards per carry or whatever that was, like, I don't think it was indicative of how he was playing. I think it was more indicative of how the offensive line was playing. And they weren't blocking well. They weren't blocking well in the run game or passing game. And you're not just getting creases because when they did get creases, he hit them and, and he ran fine, you know. And now maybe there's a difference between him running and Moster. Moster might score on one of those, but like there were there was you know there were a few times where he you know picked up decent decent yardage on runs, you know, when they block it up. But when it, when you're getting hit in the backfield or they're stringing everything out all the way sideways and you have uh uh. uh uh, Demario Davis and Quan Alexander out there flying around and having fun like that's tough, especially when a team can really play tight at the line of scrimmage because they don't respect the passing game, and that was a lot of what we saw as well. You know, it's, that it's just tough. It's just tough, and it kind of hurts Kyle because of everything that he wants to do. He wants to work off of play action, but if he can't even if he can't get the run game going. Then the 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 play action becomes almost obsolete. You know, it's, it's tough. Right, and and to your point, and even and I'm not removing necessarily the responsibility from the offensive line, but it, it really does stem with where you started the podcast from the quarterback position. Like if Nick Mullins is back there, you know, it, it's even sometimes it's even hard to put the responsibility on the offensive line because, like you said, the defense isn't going to respect the pass. So they're just going to load up the box, and even if you do block things up right, it's still going to get blown up because they have a man advantage, you know. So it's it's just a like it really kind of I mean, it, like I said, it's still the offensive line still has to work with what they've got, but it also just comes back to how important it is to have a quarterback that can threaten a defense because Nick Mullins 
you know, why would they make any special consideration for what he can do when it seemed like a quarter of his passes were thrown closer to defenders than his pass catchers? So it's, you know, of course they're not going to have any respect for that. They can feel perfectly fine in loading the box and, you know, playing man or whatever they want to do. And it just didn't work. And But it's, it, going back to what I originally started saying was it's like, that's not the running back's fault. Like, there's nothing there. There, if if you if you go back and watch that game, there will be few to no plays where there's just a nice hole for a running back to run through, and Jarek McKinnon just decided to do something else because he's you know that's just just not really how it works. So it's just there's very few things in the 49ers right now that are functioning well. One thing that is functioning well, though, I will say this is one rookie wideout, Brandon Ayuk, who looks more and more like a stud every single day, man. What'd you, what'd you like from him? Man, I thought he, uh, he made some tough grabs where I was like, damn, how'd he catch that? <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. That one he pulled up from off the turf that looked like he, he literally just grabbed it off the ground. Right. That was, that was really good. I, I thought the receivers, man, for the most part with kind of what they were dealing with, they, they had some um, passes that were a little, you know, inaccurate and and tough contested catches that they had to make. And I I thought they played well, considering who they were. I think um, later in the game, you know, Richie James, after he muffed the the punt, he kind of dropped one that was a little tough. But for the most part, uh, Richie James out the gate, you know, he he did well. Uh, Ayuk, as you mentioned, he did well. And Kendrick Bourne, I mean, it was like every catch. Hey, what's your bet again? What's your bet? So he Which has to get 45 catches, and you know it kind of hurt him. I think he had four catches this game. It kind of yeah. Hurt so him. he's at he's at 29 now. Okay, so I need 16 more catches. In and what do they have? Six games. That's still a four catch per game average. All right, I need it. Which I don't know. That might take a hit when uh, when Debo Samuel comes back because the yeah, 49ers... well he missed he missed last game and that that kind of hurt. Me. Right. That kind of yeah. to me that kind of devalues the integrity of the bet but i mean it is <laughs> nah, what it is i mean that was you know he gotta be he gotta be there i mean he only missed one game so right but um kendrick Bourne made some really tough contested catches and i mean that's who he is he's not an explosive guy my brother was asking me my brother donald he was like you know you guys don't do anything like screens and stuff to him i'm like nah man he's not that type of guy but he he will run routes and and catch the ball and he took some shots and, and held on and and he you know did what he does so I thought the 49ers receivers did well. I, I did not think that Mullins did a good job of sometimes putting them in position to be successful. And we saw that on the Ayuk. Ayuk just killed Janoris Jenkins on a stutter and go. And Jenkins did grab him and that slowed him down. And the 49ers did get the pass interference call. But I thought even then, like Mullins could have led him more and gave him more of an opportunity to catch the pass instead of throwing it more to the defensive back and where how, you know, and it, I ended up turning into the defender and having to break up, break up a ball. So, you know, he had that one. And then like you mentioned, you know, the touchdown or the, the one in the end zone to Kendrick Bourne, it was so severely underthrown. And it's like, you, you have to give your guy a chance and he didn't even have a chance. That, that's a big thing that people kind of overlook when it comes to making contested catches. The, the quarterback also has to put the ball in position for the receiver to be able to make that catch and come down with it. 
Like, just put it in a catchable position and then let me do the rest. But if you throw it straight into the cornerback's chest, like, what is, the, the receiver can't do anything about that. Put it up high and away or lead it to the pylon, you know, something of, of that sort. But I guess ultimately, again, it, it's, it's frustrating to see, but you can't be mad considering who's throwing it and what your expectations are of that guy. You know, he's a backup quarterback. So if he makes it, great, but those aren't throws that he's typically going to make. Right. That's true. That's true. Trying to look here, see what else. I mean, uh, Javon Kinlaw had his best game as a pro. Uh, he looked pretty good out there. He ended up with uh, three tackles, total tackles. Uh, he had a sack and a half. Uh, I think he shared that with Jordan Willis. He had two quarterback hits and a tackle for loss. He just looked good. You know, he was he was just making plays. And, you know, can, anything that this defensive line can do, uh, you know, now that Buckner's gone and with Nick Bosa out and with D Ford out, anything this defensive line can do, uh, is a bonus, you know, and like we kind of said a while ago when things started to seem kind of dire, now is the time for these guys to kind of make their stamp. Now, obviously, J- Javon Kinlaw is no, not going away, but Kerry Hyder has played at a level where he, to me, has almost made himself like indispensable. You know, like he's just played so well. And to think of, of if the 49ers can keep him around at a reasonable price next year, and have that guy be like a rotational player if, if Nick Bosa needs to step out or whatever. I mean, like he's playing great. He had five tackles, he had a sack, and he was he was he was in the mix for other sacks, had a quarterback hit, tackle for loss. He was good. He was and he's had a really, really impressive season. I think that's like his fifth sack on the season. If I'm if I'm not miscounting, I'd have to go back and check. But he's been really good. A guy that kind of just they picked up off the street to come in and rush the passer. I mean, they couldn't ask for much more. He's right. kind of filled that that Ronald Blair type role, and given Ronald Blair's injury, maybe the 49ers elect to go with Hyder next year instead of keeping Blair around. I don't know. I, don't, I just don't know where they are with him. Um, I really, I was a big fan of Blair too, but Hyder, it's going to come down to the wire with a lot of these contracts and how much money the 49ers have, uh, especially if Jimmy Garoppolo stays on the books. So, you know, they, they having a guy like Hyder that they could probably re-sign for you know, a relatively reasonable amount is, is encouraging for the 49ers, especially, you know, in, in a 2020 year where they'd be getting Nick Bosa back, you know, keeping a guy like Kerry Hyder and, and watching everybody else. Interesting. I wonder what they're going to do with DJ Jones. Cause he's been, he's played well and he's obviously played a ton of snaps. So it's, I'm wondering how, uh, what they're planning on doing with him, but that just, I mean, that's a topic that'll be covered a little later in the year, you know, during the off season because the 49ers and their, the amount of free agents they have coming up are just unreal. Unreal. I'm kind of just looking through the box score, seeing if there was anything we need. Good game from Jordan Reed. He looked good. He made, we played well. Yep. As a pass catcher. I mean, I don't know if they were using him much in the run game, but I mean, he had that one one-handed catch. He kind of won up to Ayuk. It was before Ayuk, but he kind of one up to Ayuk. They both caught balls that are basically like six inches off the turf, but Jordan Reed was one one-handed, which was uh, kind of ridiculous. It that doesn't even seem like it would work, given like how gravity works, but it did, and it was pretty impressive. Yeah, well, what wasn't impressive was the poor tackling this game. I mean, it was something that jumped out to me kind of early, but I just thought like, damn, like they really are trying to tee off on uh, on Alvin Kamara. And I just thought, well, you know, they missed some tackles trying to just, you know, tee off on them and maybe rip at the ball or whatever. But it was something that just continued, like, throughout the game. 
Yep. Where they, there were just a lot of missed tackles. There were a lot of missed tackles on Kamara. I'm like, damn, like, how strong is this guy? He's like, got a strong ass lower body with great balance because they can get him to the ground most of the time. And then later in the game, you see Taysom Hill just kind of running through guys and, and making guys fall back. And yeah, I just thought the 49ers, they were definitely tackling a little uninspired and, and it looked, uh, yeah, it it was, it was bad. That was a bad tackling uh, game. And that's the one time, usually I don't really talk about tackling, but it just jumped out to me way too many times where I'm like, this ain't, this ain't the 49ers tackling. I'm just seeing, even Murray, Murray came in. I mean, he runs hard. That's a big back, but again, just like, carrying guys and stuff and guys getting pushed back. So I think that might be the one time, and the defense played well all game, considering the short fields that they were uh, they were given, you know, a couple of times, considering, you know, 49ers turning the ball over, um, you know, who they're playing. And you know, they're going to give up some stuff but um, because it's a good offense. But I, I thought for the most part they were playing well all game, you know, considering. Um, but late in the game, I don't want to say they gave up, but you know, I just kind of had that sense of uh, like, damn, this not, this isn't them, you know. It kind of got to that point where it's like, ah, oh, that's not, that's not them, and they, they, yeah, it was kind of uninspired tackling going on. Well, and that, and that kind of goes back to what we were talking about during the week. Is like this is not really an accurate version of the 49ers. You know, and, and you can be one of those weirdos on Twitter that kind of just says like, oh, no excuses, next man up, you know, stuff like that. But the 49ers are playing with so many backups and they're down so many starters and impact players, including at the position that matters most, that it's just a, it's just a, obviously you want to see them compete and you want these guys to do well. You want to be able to be happy for them and for them to find success. You know, any so many of these pictures that are like taken from the game involve like 49ers, like looking down at the turf, like in disappointment. Like it's just, you know, you feel bad for a team that has to play through this stuff. But to me, it's just not an accurate representation of what the team should and could be, you know, and it's, it, it, it kind of goes back to the way I felt about the, about the 49ers as they were working their way up. Like even in like 2018, I was like, okay, they lost Jimmy Garoppolo. I still feel like this is a good team. And I feel like they're going to be able to make some noise. I feel like they're ascending despite the fact that they were not winning games. And then, you know, the next year Jimmy Garoppolo came in and the team went to the Super Bowl. And I still feel like this is that same team. Like, I still feel like this is a team capable of making it to the Super Bowl. They have just been absolutely destroyed by injuries. And that is, it's not an excuse. It's not trying to, you know, make up a, a reason as to why this and this is struggling. It's just, it's just reality. Yeah. It, it is what it is. And the 49ers just lost running back to Michael Hasty uh, for the season as well with a fractured collarbone. So it's, it's just this unexplainable luck in the case of the 49ers and how many players they've lost or how many players have missed that they haven't even lost, but have just missed games. You know, it's just it's it's just as as frustrating as it is to watch right now. I venture to say that you know this isn't an accurate representation of the 49ers. and hopefully, whether it's from Jimmy Garoppolo or a, a shiny new toy next next season in a new quarterback, hopefully the 49ers get a chance to kind of enjoy some of that that success they had in 2019. Because in my opinion, the team is still plenty talented enough to do that. They just they're not all out there, and that's it, just. 
if people need works. any type of hope, you know, I would I would look toward uh look to the 2016 Dallas Cowboys, where you know it was a team coming off of you know only having four wins. Um, they had injuries to Tony Romo, Des Bryant. Um, they ended up having to have quarterbacks out there that were like, gosh, who are the quarterbacks they were playing with? They they weren't good. And it wasn't a good, like you said, representation of who that team really was. And like, because the year before they were a playoff team, all of a sudden they had some injuries, some key injuries. I want to say maybe Tyron Smith was out for a while. And I think they played some games with like Matt Castle and some other like throwaway quarterbacks. And they only won four games. But that put them in position to draft Ezekiel Elliott, to draft. Um, they ended up getting Dak Prescott, you know, later in the draft. But it was a good roster. So, it, you know, just a couple changes and getting healthier. Next thing you know, you know, they win 13 games. And, you know, that's something that we kind of see with the 49ers, the, the, what they kind of have the ability to do. If they can just, you know, obviously add a couple players and just get healthy. And and they'll be right back to what I think we know. Because clearly the, the 49ers are a well-coached team. You know, to kind of be able to even hang in a game like this where you're down one score, you know, late in the game, you know, in the fourth quarter to, to the Saints with everybody that they're having, you know, out of there. Like, it's a well-coached team. They, they just, you know, they're just kind of shorthanded. Right. Yep. It's rough. It's rough. You know, it's just, there's no other way to describe it. It's just, uh, and the 49ers still have six games left and you know, they've got, they've got the Rams, they've got the bills, they've got the Seahawks, they've got the Cardinals again. It, you know, it might be a rough end of the season, but I, I, I feel like, you know, like Crocker said, if you got to stay positive, know that de- depending on, on how things roll throughout the off season and who they can bring back, who they let go. We'll see. At the very least, I know it'll be interesting. We'll just leave it at that. I know that the 49ers have a way of always keeping it interesting, whether they're good or not good. So we'll figure it out. But, you know, obviously a rough loss today against the Saints, especially when you realize, like Crocker said, it's a well-coached team that had this team in a position to beat somebody that, you know, most people would think is is a team that's quite a bit better than the 49ers and the Saints. And the, just the lack of execution was, was what killed them. Nick Mullins didn't do a good job. Um, they, Richie James and Trent Taylor, both muffed two punts and it's just, it was just a, uh, it, it was what you would expect from an effort like that was, you know, that's, that's kind of the result you get in the NFL when you make that many mistakes, that many mistakes. So, um, I don't know, man, you got any, uh, you got any closing thoughts from our little, uh, reaction episode here? Nah, man. I mean, you know, just, uh, look at the bigger, bigger picture. <laughs> All right. Well, the 49ers, uh, it's their bye week now. So, you know, they will, I will close with a little bit of positivity for you. Um, the 49ers get their bye week, which they need more than probably any other team in the history of the NFL. Uh, Kyle Shanahan does expect and does hope that the 49ers will get Debo Samuel, Raheem Mostert, and Richard Sherman back um, for their game. I believe it's against the Rams coming off the bye. So, you know, some positivity for you. They're getting healthier. You know, it's not necessarily like it's not like, hey, we're getting healthy for a playoff push type of deal. But, hey, they're getting healthier. And, uh, you know, we'll see a better product on the field. But that's it for us today. That's it. 
We'll be back on here tomorrow to break down the game in a little bit more detail. You know, we'll get a, get a little bit more news from Kyle Shanahan. Uh, we'll break down our winners and losers and and uh, some of the other things that happened uh, around the NFC West because uh, we didn't really get to that today. But we'll get to it tomorrow. We'll just touch on things with a bit more detail. I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you guys. Keep your head up. Keep your head up. Things will get better eventually, I promise. Keep your head up. And um, thanks for all the support. As always, I can never end a pod, cannot end a podcast without saying that. So I appreciate you guys. Thanks for the support. But for another night, this is Striking Gold signing out. Peace out. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.